whatever gift God has given you. Listen to this. Listen to this. As each has received a gift, that assumes that the people of God have gifts. Use it to serve one another as good servants of God's varied grace. So if Philip has got a gift of song, we should encourage her to use it to speak to our hearts. If you've got a gift, whatever the gift is, it might not be a public gift. You're to use it. It's true. Use it or lose it. It is so true as you get older. And it's true spiritually. So let's just pray about that before we start this morning. Lord, we thank you for the song this morning. We thank you for the gift you've given Philippa. Lord, we thank you that it exalted the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. And we want nothing more. We want him in our hearts more. We want to sanctify him as Lord in our hearts. And we pray this morning as we come to this passage of scripture, this passage that we think we know so well, and this subject perhaps we think we know so well, Lord, that you teach us fresh things. That you would point more to your grace and your goodness, and that you would encourage our hearts this morning. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, this is number four. Number four in my little series on the incarnation. First one, how important the subject was. And it's a vital subject. I tried to show you how it links with every other subject. Second one I did on the Lord being God, the Son of God. And I gave you that sheet to look at many, many scriptures. Last time, I, I felt I had liberty and I spoke on the Lord as a man. And how vital that subject is to us. A man, the humanity. That when God became flesh, he took humanity. And therefore we have connection with him in a wonderful way. He became a man so he could bear our sins. He became a man so he could live the kind of life that you and I should live. Okay, one we're looking up there. Um, okay, so we're going to look at three questions this morning about this whole subject of what is called, I suppose, the virgin birth. But that's kind of wrong, isn't it, in a way? I mean, do you know why it's called the virgin birth? Because really, the birth was like any other birth, wasn't it? The same kind of thing to Mary as any other woman having a baby. What the unique thing is, the virgin conception. That's the vital thing, isn't it? Now, so we're going to focus on that for a few minutes this morning. There's so many other things about the birth of the Christ we could talk, talk about. We could talk about the shepherds and we could talk about Anna. I, I love that Anna and, and Simon, you know, um, Simeon. We could talk about these other things. We could talk about the kings coming. But we're going to just focus on this passage that we read with the children this, this morning and ask four simple questions. How, where, when, and I put why, but I've changed that to what, and you'll see that as I go along. So, it's easy to 
look at this subject in reaction to other things. I was in Cambridge this week, I, I, was, I bought a book second hand outside in a bookshop by a man here, a Roman Catholic, Stott Han. He used to be an evangelical Presbyterian minister. Many people were converted from Catholicism to true Christianity through him and then he became a Catholic. So I've been looking at this and I want to say this that's important this morning. I'm going to say, I'm not here to bash the Catholics at all. In fact, the Catholic Church is a remarkable institution, obviously, but it's not from God in many ways. And I want to explain the reason. If you go down the route of the Catholic Church with Mary, because we couldn't talk about Mary, you add things to the scriptures. You add such as this, that Mary went to heaven bodily. You know, just like the Lord went up in the... You add that Mary went bodily to heaven. The bodily assumption of Mary. Now, actually, that was actually confirmed in 1952. But it's been believed for hundreds of years before that. It's not something that just happened in 1952. That was a normal belief amongst Roman Catholics. I'll give you another one. The problem of sin, which I'm going to talk about in a minute this morning. How is it that the Lord came through Mary? We're going to talk about that in a minute. In a minute and yet was sinless. Well, the Catholic answer, and it, again, it goes back, goes back to the early centuries was, Mary herself must be sinless. So, and they, how was Mary sinless? She must have been born through an immaculate conception. A sinless conception. Have you heard of that? So, Catholics believe that Mary is sinless. Immaculate conception. And then, well, what about being a virgin? And again, this doesn't just happen recently. This goes right back to the early centuries in the church. Well, Mary must always have been a virgin. Perpetual virginity of Mary. And I mean, no, you're thinking of scriptures. That's not true. He had brothers and sisters. You're thinking that, aren't you? And, um, uh, and Joseph didn't know his wife until it says that. It's obvious that he had a normal sexual relationship and had children. That's what you're thinking. Calvin didn't think that. Luther didn't think that. Now, I'm just throwing that into you just to show you that the influence of Catholic teaching is amongst Protestants. And in one way, it's amongst us. Because I'm now going to say, this is an important thing I want to say. I'm not bashing the Catholics. These are wrong things. Utterly wrong in terms of the Bible. But they're wrong because they have the Bible, but they then have tradition. They have the Bible, but they add to it tradition. And they, they believe this that God doesn't tell us everything in the Bible. But as time goes on, he speaks in the church and these other things 
which are in the Bible in seed form, are then developed and brought out. Now, of course, that's wrong. Be careful, folks. The great danger with us is to do exactly the same. And I'm afraid Protestantism is riddled with it. The same as Catholicism. Instead of going back to the Bible, it's tradition. And things are coming, and it's tradition. And tradition, you might say it's ridiculous believing these other things. Immaculate conception, perpetual virginity, bodily assumption. But if we don't want to point the fingers at others, point the fingers at ourselves. How much with me? It's not from what God says here, but it's to do my upbringing, my tradition. That's the challenge. That's the challenge for me. Okay, Mary's question. Mary's question. How can these things be? Now, someone asked a question very similar, didn't they? Um, Zacharias, he asked that question. Look at verse 38. So when the angel came to him and said that he's, um, he's going to have a child, um, what does he say? Is it, it's not 38, is it? Can someone find out where it is? He says, how can these things be? Doesn't he? Yes, verse 18, sorry, verse 18 of chapter 1 of Luke. And Zechariah, or Zacharias, said to the angel, How shall I know this? From an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. Now that's different, you see. You see, he's doubting that God can do this. Whereas Mary, she's not doubting that God can do it. She doesn't know the means. How, what means can, can God do this? See, there's a different kind of approach. Now listen, we have every right. We don't want to doubt God. Don't doubt God. But you can ask God, well, how are you going to do this? This is what Mary's saying. How are you going to do this? And as I said in my, you know, talking to the children, talking to all of us, um, Mary was a remarkable woman. We don't do what the Catholics do and we don't make Mary God. We don't make a co-redeemer, all this other kind of rubbish. But you know, we mustn't belittle this woman. This woman was a remarkable woman. This woman believed God when it seemed impossible to believe God. Says it very clearly, doesn't it? Um, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I would love to be more like Mary. The simplicity of it. Believing what God says. That is what the gospel is. Right? I brought a hymn this morning. I've mentioned it before. I, I wish it was in modern hymn books. It's in the hymn book that used to be used in this chapel years ago, Gospel Hymns, and it's in Gatsby's, the one that was used before here. This is a hymn book when I was a boy and I used to play the organ here. It was used. This John Newton's hymn, What Think Ye of Christ, is the test to try both your state and your scheme. You cannot be right in the rest unless you think rightly of him. As Jesus appears in your view, as he is beloved or not, so God is disposed to you, and mercy or wrath 
if, is your lot. Now, I'm going to just do the third verse. Newton, this is how Newton views the Lord. And this is how Mary viewed God. If asked what of Jesus I think, though still my best thoughts are but poor, I'd say he's my meat and my drink, my life and my strength and my store, my shepherd, my husband, my friend, my saviour from sin and from thrall, that means bondage, my hope from beginning to end, my portion, my Lord and my all. Oh, not in the same, we're not in the same league, folks, are we? I don't think we're in the same league with Mary. The challenge has always been for the children of God. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Or do you not? I think most of us here, if we're honest, we say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think that's where most of us would be. Wouldn't we? But here's Mary. She believes. She trusts. But she doesn't know how it's going to happen. She doesn't know how it's going to happen. Now, there are three major difficulties in talking about the virgin conception. One is prophecy. And you know, if you go to, Ma to Matthew, turn to Matthew, um, he brings in the prophecy from Isaiah. Now, we haven't got time to go all into this this morning. Matthew, but we must mention it. Matthew um, chapter 1 and verse 22 says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has sp had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And this is in Isaiah chapter uh, 7, uh, verse 14. And there's this king, Ahaz. And uh, Isaiah gives him this prophecy. Now, Ahaz is a wicked king. And um, he had gone outside, instead of trusting God and relying on God, he had gone to Assyria for help. And Isaiah gives him this kind of promise that uh, the virgin will conceive. Now, did it happen then? Or did it only happen with the Lord? And people debate this. Some people feel, well, it must have happened then as well. If you look at the context, that it, there's arguments that it must have been a, a virgin birth at that time. Some people say it's a double fulfilment. And some people say, no, it's only a single fulfilment. It only happened with the Lord. But you've got to come to that kind of... A, opinion yourself um, but so there's the prophecy uh, issue to discuss there's the biology issue to discuss isn't there um, some people in the early church were so um, what's the word um, they found it such a difficulty that the Lord should take Mary's flesh and the same tissue as Mary Mary's egg they had a real problem with that how can that be and they said well it's like a tube and, and Mary's a surrogate. Now that's the modern. I mean, yeah, I know. You, now let me explain this. Modern surrogacy. So you've got the sperm and you've got the egg outside, joined, and then put into the womb of the person that's acting as a surrogate. Right? Can you see that? Oh well, Mary. It's not really part of Mary. The Lord's not really. No, no. You see, they had a problem with that. And one man, I'll tell you his name. But he had the kind that Christ had heavenly flesh. And he, he, he came and passed through Mary, but he didn't touch Mary. Like a tube going through Mary. No, no, no. The biology is, it's not heavenly flesh. It's the flesh of the seed of the woman. It's her tissue that God used. You say, oh, no, I you. Yes, dead through this. All right? 
and born or made of a woman. Uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. So there's the biology thing that people get hung up about. I'm going to talk about that in a sec. And then there's a the theological issue. Now, these people really get hung up with this one. How can it be that the Lord Jesus Christ was sinless if he came, his humanity came from the tissue, from the egg of Mary? Mary's a sinner, like you and me. Have you thought that? Have you thought about it? How can it be? And people, oh, that can't be. Well, let me try and deal with this. Um, it's not what goes into a man, corrupts a man, it's what comes out of him. What comes out of a man? Evil thoughts, adulteries, all kinds of things. Are those things physical? Is sin essentially physical? You got me? You see, yes. It's part of being a man or woman, sin, but it's not a physical attribute, is it? It's like, it's like um, love, or it's like covetousness, or anything else. These things, these are spiritual realities. I'm, I've got to be careful here, I know this. But you see, Plato had the view that everything physical was tainted. Right? And so... Everything was bad. And it was the idea that was perfect. So you'd never find a good woman, but you'd find a perfect woman in terms of the idea of a woman. Can you understand that? I'm not... Well, that's rubbish, isn't it? There's no perfect idea of a woman. A woman is a woman. I'm using that. I don't know why I use that example. But what, what I'm saying is, that's not a biblical view. This is a Greek view. And you can see how the church fathers got tied up with sex, can't you? Sex became sinful because it was physical. And the great thing was to be celibate. Not in the Bible at all. But it was to do with their thinking, their Greek way of thinking. Now, theologically, God promised in Genesis that it was going to be the seed of the woman that was going to conquer Satan. The seed of the woman. And so God, in his marvellous power and wisdom... He brought about Christ, the humanity of Christ, without sin, through Mary. Through Mary. Now you, you say, well, what about, there's two verses, Nigel, which are a problem. Let's, let's, let's look at them. What about Romans 8? I probably haven't explained that very well. I'm conscious of that as I'm speaking. Look at Romans um, 8, verse 3. So, for what? For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Now, when it's talking about the flesh there, is it talking about the... No, it's talking about our fleshly natures. Now, nature is not a physical thing. You think. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh... See, I think I've read that wrong. I think I've read that in terms of body. No, no, sinful nature. It's, it's like us. It, it's not the same, but it's like us. Um, he condemned sin in the flesh. He became a man in the flesh. Like us. Right. But not with a sinful nature. And of course there's the one in, in um, Psalm 51. David says, 
in sin did my mother conceive me? Does that mean that, the, that his mother, it was sinful in, in having intercourse and, and having a baby? No, I think David's saying there, right from the beginning, right from the beginning of my life, I've had a sinful nature. So, do you see what I'm saying theologically here? Made of the tissue of Mary. That doesn't mean to say that Christ at all was sinful. Of course, he was not sinful. Well, what's the answer to these difficulties? Prophecy, biology, theology. What's the answer? And there's two here in the passage. Clearly say One is the Holy Spirit, obviously. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. It comes out so much in the account we read. And if you go to Matthew, go to Matthew, it comes out even more in Matthew. I found that strange in a way. Um, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, um, listen, look, so Joseph's got the problem and he's going he's to put her away quietly. Um, but no, he has a dream. See, it doesn't seem that Mary shared, shared this with, with Joseph, does it? The angel come in the conception, she doesn't seem to have shared it with Joseph. Now, you might think, why was that? Was she worried about the consequences? And by the way, the consequences could be awful, according to the law. The, the consequences could be stoning. We don't think of that. But God appears to Joseph in a dream. What does he say? He says, verse 20, as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's the answer, any problems we've got about the virgin conception. The Holy Spirit. And the second one is, is the one in Luke, where nothing is impossible with God. That's what the angel says. Now, of course, there are exceptions to that. God doesn't lie. God doesn't deny himself. God cannot be tempted with evil. But nothing is impossible with God. Do you remember Abraham? You know, um, Sarah's in the tent and you're going to have a child, the three supernatural visitors, you're going to have a child. Do you remember what happened? What did Sarah do? She laughed. And then nothing is impossible. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? You see, that's the answer. The work of God, the Holy Spirit. And then the principle that this is God's doing and nothing is impossible with God. I said about my friend Samuel, the open air worker in Germany, he does a lot of open air work. And that's the answer he gives to the Muslims when they, they belittle this and they just can't understand how, how Jesus can be God. And he said, I'll say this again, he says to them, look, can you, what can your God do? You see, can your God do anything? And they say, yes, he can. Well, of course, yes, he can do this. If he doesn't contradict his character, he can do this. And he's done it. Well, I spent a long time on the how, haven't I? What about the where? Na Nazareth, a backwater. Um, and uh, what does it mean in Matthew 2, 23? He shall be called a Nazarene. You've, you've had that prophecy. In, he shall be called a Nazarene. There's nowhere in the Old Testament where it says this. So what do you think about that? Let's look at that scripture. 2, 23. 2.23. And also, you know, Christians were called the sect of the Nazarenes in, um, in Acts, weren't they? Christians were called that. So if you go to Matthew and you go to the end of chapter 2, it says this. And he went and lived in the city of Nazareth so that was spoken by the prophets, plural, might be fulfilled that he would be called a 
Nazarene. What do you think of that? Well, this is, I think, probably the right approach to it, is that Nazareth was despised. It was, um, do you remember the man who said, Nathaniel, what, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Right? Do you remember the prophets? Not the prophets. Do you remember the, the, the theologians and the intellectuals arguing with Christ? Do you remember what they said? Oh, no, no, no prophet's going to arise out of Galilee. No one's going to come from that area. It was looked down on. It was despised. So, a lot of people think that these are the prophecies that are referred to when he should be called a Nazarene. You know, someone despised. Because in the Old Testament, the Lord is called that. He's called uh, in Psalm 22.6, despised by the people. In Isaiah 49.7, he's called the despised one. And in the chapter that you know by heart, in, in, in Isaiah 53, despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, despised. See, so that might be, see, Nazareth, born, um, sorry, conceived at Nazareth, somewhere despised, lived there. And then, of course, Bethlehem, we know it was a little place. And we know if we go to the prophecy in Micah, um, let's, let's see if we can turn. Can you just find Micah um, 5.2? If you go to Micah 2.5.2, you get this. Um, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth to me one who is ruler in Israel, from the coming forth, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So, clear prophecy that it's going to be from Bethlehem. The house of bread, that literally means where David was born. Well, what do we get from this? Where? Nazareth and Bethlehem. Well, I think it's a biblical principle. And a biblical principle is clearly given in, uh, one, in one chapter, chapter 1 of Corinthians. And again, many of you know this by heart. God did not... But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. It's a principle. It's not, it's not a great palace somewhere in Rome. It's not in Jerusalem, a great religious centre. No, it's in somewhere small, somewhere insignificant. That's the principle that God often uses, isn't it? Not the principle that man would use. Hell God would use. So it's Nazareth. Where? When? Well, we don't know when the Lord was born. Most people say about B.C. 6 to 5. That's when they argue. Herod died in B.C. 14. He had to be alive. So that's how they get that. We don't know the actual time. Um, the whole Christmas thing, as you know, if you look it up and read about it, it didn't happen till, till the 4th century. And it seems to be that it was um, no, Saturnalia, which is a, 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 a feast, a winter feast, and they had a binge up. And it seems to be Constantine and those folk that brought all the kind of heathen practices in, they seem to bring it in as a way of keeping the heathen in the, in the, in the, in the church. And, and it, it goes from that time. Um, Antioch, I've got down here, 388 it came, went to the east. It gradually spread from that. So, fourth century, a long time after. So, nothing to do with when the, when the Lord was born at all. Um, brought in for other reasons. But let me give you, let, let me think about this. I said about 
some biblical scholars think they do know. Uh, you probably never heard this. So I'll give you... A th an, a, a, I'm not saying I believe this, but I think it's interesting. Do you remember six months? Six months into the birth of... Um, of uh, 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 um, no, six months into the pregnancy of Elizabeth. Do you remember that? Right. Well, I've got to get, look at my notes here. So their year started in March. Now, Zacharias, or Zachariah, he was a priest. And if you look at Luke, he says it was the division of Abijah. You've never thought what that is? Well, if you go to Chronicles, there are 24 divisions. Right, that's roughly two when the priest served. About just over two weeks. So if he was the eighth in the division, and the year started in March, their year started in March, then he was going home to his wife in July, roughly. July, end of July time. Okay, so he was having intercourse, end of July, August, conception then. Now you add your eight months on from there, and you get December and January. Sorry, add your six months on. Six months, then, you see, is when the angel, a, a, the angel Gabriel came to Mary. So that's the time, I mean, people think, that the Lord was conceived by the Holy Ghost. December, January. So nine months on from that, and you get September time. Now, a lot of people argue that's the time. We don't know that. If if they were still keeping the same kind of divisions, the priests, as in Chronicles, and they might well have been, then that might be true. But we just don't know. And I think that's the important thing. I think it's important that we don't know. In the Old Covenant, they knew all about their festivals. They knew about every detail. It had to be done in a certain way. They knew about the special buildings, how they had to be bought, built. There's pages of how they had to be built, exactly. How the altar had to be. How the sacrifices had to be sacrificed. The clothes that the priests had. Every detail is in there. When you come to the New Covenant, we're under the New Covenant. Praise God, we're under the New Covenant. None of it. Isn't it wonderful? None of it. 620 commands or whatever they were, something in the Old Covenant. You know, Jeffy Jew knows them. Knows them by heart. No, no. In the New Covenant? No, no. None of this. In fact, Paul was dead worried when he was a church, one of his first churches, was going back to the Old Covenant. Will you turn to that scripture? Turn to Galatians chapter 4. And there's a, Galatians chapter... Paul was really worried about these Christians. Um... So he says this, he says, um, no, I'll go from verse 8, I'll go from verse 8, chapter 4. Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? 
whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid of you. I'm scared you're going to act me the wrong way, he said. I've laboured over you in vain. So Paul was really worried. Now, let me talk about your history. History is so important, you know. Let's go back 400 years or so. And you had to believe the prayer book. You had to use the prayer book. And there were men in this area here who said, no, we're only going to have the scriptures. We're not going to have the prayer book. They paid for it. They paid for it, some with their lives. In prison for many years. Some of them were killed. We're not going to have the prayer book which says we must pray this on a certain day. We must remember this saint on this day, so-called saint on this day. <coughs> Why? Because they're coming to the liberty of the new covenant. They were new covenant Christians. This was old covenant. This was the king trying to keep control, or the queen, <laughs> keep control of everything, you see. But you see, John Bunyan and people like that, they didn't want any of this stuff at all. And nor should we. We have the new covenant. We have Christ. And if you go to chapter, um, and my point I made, go up to verse 4. Now, the question is, when was Christ born? Here it is. Well, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his time, sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So when was Christ born? He was born in the fullness of time. When it was ready for him to be born. When the Roman state was in a state where there was relative peace, when the Greek language is in most places and culture, when the gospel was in the fullness of time, just when God wanted it. That's what we want to know. In the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. So not anybody asks you, when was Christ born? You say, in the fullness of time. Matter solved. Right, just a couple more minutes. What do these scriptures show us? that we've read this morning. What do they show us? Well, what do they show us about God? They show us that God is powerful. By, they show us the power of God. So you shall be found with child by the Holy Spirit. They show us the provision of God. His name shall be called Jesus. He shall save his people from this. God has provided a saviour. They show us the plan of God. A virgin will be with child, the seed of the woman. Right from the beginning, right from the sin of Adam and Eve, God had this in his view, the seed of the woman. They show us the promise of Christ in terms of his son. He shall be great, the son of the Most High. He shall rule, he shall be holy, he shall be the son of God. They show us the preference of God. And this is what I find remarkable. God uses the simple the humble, the unpretentious, a young girl. And I think Mary, that culture, was probably much younger than we think. Right? A simple family. Um, the simple. God uses the unpretentious. A, a baby. So, I mean, I'm, my time's gone. Shows us many things about God. Now, what does it show us finally? It shows us this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become 
rich. That's what this is all about. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ laying aside his glory, becoming a baby, growing as a man, being tempted and suffering, living a life that we should live, dying on a cross. Why? Because of you and because of me. This is what this is really about. The one that was rich beyond compare, becoming poor for you and me. Amen.